everyone and welcome to In My Mug episode 256 on Monday the 7th of October 2013. I am your host Stephen Layton and welcome to In My Mug and welcome to the news! So, In My Mug was five years old on the 6th of October. Years of my life doing these, it scares the heck out of me. Thank you so much for your continued support and encouragement to keep doing these. I never ever thought it would kind of get to the point where we were at 256 and still doing them. So thank you guys for making uh, this possible uh, and making yeah, me a very happy coffee roaster because you tune in to me every week. Uh, I know that some of you have watched all 256 as well and I am sorry and I will pay for your counselling. And uh, this week we're doing Limoncillo Pacamara Natural, which is a red Pacamara. I've never felt the need to talk about the colour of the Pacamaras before because they're all red. I have never seen anything other than red Pacamara. Um, and you will never have seen it either because I've never seen a yellow version anywhere. It just did, or I thought didn't exist. Um, you're going to find more about this on Focus On, but there is one and we have it coming through the site. Uh, and I think we're the first in the world to sell this coffee. Um, but we're not going to sell it any old way. If you're boring, you can buy a bag of the coffee on the side. It is super expensive, by the way. Um, as we bought it in an auction and got very carried away. Um, but we're also going to sell it in a triple pack. And it's going to be called The Good, The Amazing and Ugly. They are all washed Pacamaras. They are all from Limoncillo. But one is the red one, which we've had on the site for a little while now. Uh, and it's going to be in my mug in the next couple of weeks. One is the yellow, and one is the ugly in the pack. Uh, and a coffee that you will not thank me for. It has something wrong with it called phenol. Phenol is like, it, for me, one of the worst defects. Because it's impossible to see, it's impossible to detect. Um, it's a defect found in lots of orange, but, origins, but mainly in Colombia, Brazil, uh, Honduras, Nicaragua and El Salvador. Um, and research has come up with no conclusive proof of why uh, it tastes this way and why, why it ends up being phenolic. Um, it's dirty, it's nasty, it tastes of sulphur, um, and it's something that I am super, super sensitive to. And I've only seen on a couple of occasions when I've been cupping at Origin. Um, there are no identifiable traits on the cherry, tree, green bean, and only in the cup. Um, Anecdotally, some people say that it's the way that the tree faces the sun. Others say that it's from bad processing. Um, others say that it's from bacterial, like microbial kind of uh, influences. Um, some people say that it's a reaction from the coffee tree to the coffee boring insect. But for me, it reminds me a lot of potato. And potato is a defect you find in Rwandas and Burundis, which does come from bacteria. So that's pretty much all I can give to the argument is that I feel that it really is the bacterial one that it comes from. Um, and it shows, kind of in the coffees that we've got here, that it can be found in some of the best farms in the world. Like it's coming from Limoncello, which is amazing. And normally you, Joe Public, would not get a chance to try this and you would be very, very lucky not to have to try it. Um, but we begged Erwin when I was there uh, 18 months ago that he would find us a few bags of this stuff that he'd normally throw away and allow us to buy it from him and we did pay money for this coffee um, to show you what we only ever find on the cupping table at a mill, a farm or an exporter. So um, yeah, the yellow on its own is going to be 25 quid a bag. I told you it's going to be expensive. 
but the ugly pack is only going to be £27 a pack. Um, you know, I, as I've already said, I will do warn you that the red is going to be in my mug in the next couple of weeks while we're focusing on Pacamara's, uh, the red washed. Um, but it's an amazing coffee and definitely worth trying twice. The yellow, for very obvious reasons, won't be on in my mug, I'm afraid. Um, reason one is there's really not enough of it for all you in my muggers that subscribe. And two, you would bankrupt me and I would have no money left. I spent a lot of money on this yellow Pacamara lot. And it's going to be on the site from Monday, so please do go and take a look. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more later as well. But Funky and Funkier uh, are two versions of this same natural red Pacamara that we're going to be cupping uh, or tasting today on In My Mug. These will not be hitting In My Mug as I am too scared that you will all send lynch mobs to come and get me. Um, if I send out the balmy funkier to you. So uh, I promised to tell you if ones weren't going to make in my mug. And that is two that will not be making in my mug. And that was the long book. Very informative, very interesting news. So it's time for focus on. And as I've already alluded to, it's going to be on Pacamara. Now instead of me wittering and twittering on about it, when Erwin was here, Erwin from Limoncillo a few weeks back, I recorded a chat, we both sat down here and talked a little bit about Pacamara's, his experiences, how they had them on the farm, how they process them. And he talks in particular about how he came to process his elegant one, um, which he talks about as his favourite one. Um, so um, it's all new. This was a bit that I recorded after the In My Mug, so no fast forwarding through. This is new stuff that Erwin's talking about and it's super, super interesting. Uh, I will be releasing it as well on, as a separate video on Hasblog. Uh, for you to enjoy on its own. But for now, please give it up for Mr. Erwin Maresh. So, uh, I'm joined by a special guest here, Mr. Erwin Maresh from uh, from Finca Limoncillo, from Escondido. I'm not going to go through them all again, San Jose. I mean, uh, yeah. Um, and uh, the reason that I've got Erwin here was, you may remember a few episodes back, we did the uh, the Longbury uh, washed. And I thought I'd take this opportunity to get somebody who knows lots about Pacamaras, um, as it's our focus on for this month, and uh, lots about the special Pacamaras that we've got from Limoncillo. So this is going to be going out when we're going to be tasting the elegance and the naturals and the funky uh, Pacamaras. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I'm going to use your experience Tell us a little, can you tell us a little bit about Pacamaras and how they are to grow, how they are to work with, the conditions that they kind of require to grow in, stuff like that. Okay. Well, I mean, the little basics on Pacamara, you know, it's a, it's a hybrid, it's a cross between a Maragogi, which is a very big tree with a very big size uh, coffee bean. Mm -hmm. uh, it was found in, um, in a city in Brazil called uh, Maragogi. Okay. Felipe. You know, um, and then it was a cross with a pacamar, sorry, with a paca, which is a hybrid uh, or a variation of the caturra. Uh, you know, is it the bourbon? Uh, I think it's the bourbon, isn't it? No, the paca is... Because it was found on uh, San Rafael, wasn't it, in 1950-something. Right. right. Um, which... Um, was basically a botanist from France came along and was walking through the farm, saw this thing, went, oh, uh, that looks different, I'll take it away for genealogy testing. And then 
um, forgot the name of the farm, but remembered it was from the Pacas family. So yes. he ends up getting this Pacas. And you may remember we've had the San Rafael on here. The second place was Santa Patrona, which is another farm that we right. buy from. So we've separated out all these Pacases. We're kind of, <laughs> so it's from the Catura. No, from the well, the, the Catura is a uh, derivation from the from the Bourbon as well. Okay, you know, okay. so everything. Comes... So the genealogy is kind of there in the in the list. Oh, God, right, I'm gonna have to go back and rewrite it. Like, Packer stories now, you can't do well, this to me. I could be wrong. Okay. <laughs> I could be wrong. This is, this is okay, a story that I was told. Okay. <laughs> you know, but uh, uh, but anyway, it's it's a, a cross that uh, that happened naturally, you know. And um, if you've tried a, a Maragot Jeep, most Maragot Jeeps, you know, like I say most, not all of them, uh, are just really fancy in bean size, yep. not in cup. You know, normally in cup, they're just pretty flat you know flat bitter and that's it you know yeah. uh, but this one having that cross between the big size bean and then the the the, the paca the pacas which is not it isn't that amazingly complex cup I mean they, they're interesting don't exactly. get me wrong but they're not stunning and the Marigajit is not stunning but all of a sudden these two come together yeah. and they do become much more of their some of their parts don't they they do they do it's just something totally different you know I mean I in Central America, I compare it to, to whiskey, you know, because it's definitely an acquired taste. Yes. You know, a lot of people try them, and at first they don't like it, you know, but then they they begin to enjoy it, you know, and, and I, then at the end they end up loving it. I hold up my hand. I'm exactly one of those people. I used to hate them. Yes. Mushroomy, vegetal, you know. Exactly. The problem was I've had a lot of bad Pacamaras, mm -hmm. because the first part, because people, like five years ago, people... Pacamaras, like sell everything that's Pacamaras, and some of them were just awful. Exactly. Um, and some of them need, they need, do need certain conditions, I think, like to be a good cup profile. But um, I am a proper convert now. Like I, this year, we've had nine Pacamaras so far. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah a lot of them from you, but <laughs> um, yeah, they really interesting. Uh, a really interesting variety. I had one from Mexico recently that was super interesting. Mm. Really, really different cup profile. Yes. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they're so different to the, the Pacas and the Maragashi? Oh boy, it's a... Uh, I'm not expecting you to know the answer. That's just a million dollar it's question. It's more like, like anecdotal. Is there anything that you see anecdotally that think could be that? Is it the plant size? Is it like, is there something yeah. different? Uh, boy, I really don't know, but you know, I'm just having to guess that, you know, if it's... Uh, just like anything in flavor, you know, it's, you know, the contrast, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm guessing yeah. that the contrast, you know, of the flavor profiles of both of these plants, just when they come together, they, you know, things just kind of explode in, 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 uh, in a positive way. For sure, you know? for sure. And I think they're very different in the process, they proceed, they seem to process very differently. So, yes. as in the washed, is completely different to the natural. Normally there's some kind of common thread, like if you have the Katura, say for instance the Katura from Limoncillo, we have it washed, put natural and natural, they, there's a commonality there, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, they're, they're, they're different through processing, but with Pacamaras, the washed and the natural right. are poles apart, exactly. um, and I guess that's just that magnifying glass of flavour with these two coming together. Right, right. Um, you've done some experiments with the natural processing yes. of the Pacamaras, mm -hmm. uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you did? and like what you've seen in the cup profiles and how different they are? Okay, well definitely, uh, well 
the way we did the, the, the naturals when we well, we actually practiced doing naturals with the pacamadas. Yeah. You know, that's how we learned to do naturals. The first natural that we did, we completely fermented it. You know, Silvio from Brazil. You know, he, he's the one who kind of instructed us on how to do it. And so the first time we did it, I sent him the sample. He goes, I'm sorry, buddy, but, you know, this is fermented. <laughs> you know, so I kind of messed one up. Man, one man's ferment is another man's fruit. <laughs> well, I've come to realize, I've come to believe in that now, that, that, that we're doing more and more naturals, you know. Um, but no, you know, uh, the, the way that we treat naturals in Nicaragua, you know, we've always done naturals, but the naturals that we have done have always been treated as lower grade coffees. Mm -hmm. So they're just kind of thrown out in the patio to dry and you just let them rot there. You don't even move them, you know, because they were seen as coffees that weren't going to be exported for a local market, you know. So you use most of your manpower to, to, to move around all these washed coffees. Yes. You know, so when we first started doing the, the naturals, you know, uh, were really thick you know on the patios you know didn't move them quite as much you know so it would it would allow them to ferment a little more you know? and i think the other thing to bear, keep in mind with with Irwin's situation is that the uh, the dry mill and the patios are about 600 meters above sea level yes it's super hot like i remember midday there and then we were just walking across the patios and I thought I was going to die. It was so hot. Like, this skin did not like it at all. It was like bubbling and blistering as we were walking. So it's very hot. So things dry very quickly there, really, yes. don't they? I mean, it's... Yes, if you leave them out in the sun, you can actually dry coffee in a couple of days. Wow. You know, obviously it's not good for the coffee. You know, you try to slow down the drying process in order to keep the... the Bear in mind, in Kenya and Ethiopia, that can be four weeks, five weeks, mm -hmm. you know. Exactly. So, like, it, yeah, it, that's how hot it gets there. It is super, super warm. I, that's my one residing memory of... Uh, is it Don Esteban? Don Esteban, right. Yes, yeah, so I'm remembering stuff. This is scary. Um, and in Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, it was named after me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's Stephen in Spanish, so I can do that one. Um, uh, so, um, so you were doing drying experiments, you were doing different thicknesses, different turning times as well? Exactly, yes. You know. So we have three naturals from you. Yes. Three Pacamaras from you, all natural. One's called Elegant, one's right. called Funky. We had a new edition this year called Funkier. <laughs> I don't know what we call the next one. <laughs> Funkiest. Or we just put James Brown on the bag or something. It's, uh, exactly, yeah. oh yeah. So, um, what were the differences between those three? What, how, how did you get to that point? Okay. Uh, actually, this is something that my sister came up with. You know, uh, her being a nurse, you know, being very thorough, you know, she, and hearing all this stuff about naturals and what people didn't like about the naturals, you know, she figured that if she, if she took a, a, the cherry and, you know, spread it out thinner and moved it a lot more, so, you know, uh, the drying time will become longer. So, so instead of doing a 22-day drying time, you know, it will come almost the, you know, 35, 40-day drying time. You know, the, the fruit or the funkiest, the, the, the funky taste, you know, that's very common with a natural would would kind of fade out right. you know and uh and it worked yeah. you know when we cupped it you know all the professional cuppers you know people who actually do cupping as for a living would prefer the elegant natural over a regular natural so the whole name thing like for, for, came from when we were at the cupping lab uh, at the mill and i was cupping and, and uh, cupping the one and i said oh, yeah it's a, that's lovely it's really elegant but like i missed the funky from last year yes and then she went 
I'm back in a minute. And then she came back with this, I was like, Bunky. And they're like, I just love that, the, like, I had this, this name on a bag, I had this tiny influence on calling it Funky. It was just like, it, was, yes. it made me very, very happy. <laughs> so, so, so it was just a matter of sl- slowing the drying down, made it more elegant, and speeding right. the drying up, so making it thicker, turning well, it less regular. Not really speeding it up, because I mean, it, was still, yeah. it still took about 22 days to, to dry, but instead of moving it, you know, as often as you would the, the other one, you know, you would let it sit around, so the coffee would actually uh, ferment, you know, yeah. a, li- a little bit more. You know, so even if when you look at the green, the elegant is pretty uniform, almost yes. all the same color green. And uh, and it, uh, it roasts much more evenly as well. Exactly. Uh, it roasts much easier. Like the boys here hate Pacamaras, but they hate funkiest, <laughs> like the funkier even more. Like they hate roasting it. It like it pains them. It gives them a great deal of difficulty yes. getting that because it's so uneven. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that is purely from the drying process. Yes. Yes. Okay. And then you look at the at the funkier, then you have a lot more of, of the yellow type beans that kind of look like they're sours. Yeah. You know, so it's more uneven. And then the funkier, it's even more uneven. You know, <laughs> so the funkier was actually you know a uh, a mistake. Yeah. You know, because it started raining, so we had to cover it up. You know, so obviously when you have this coffee that's fermenting and hot and you cover it up, it starts fermenting a little, you know, a lot more. Because the beans generate their own heat with the fermentation process and you put your hand in, you can actually fit, it's like really it warm in the center, isn't it? Exactly. It's because of this bacterial activity that's going on, breaking down the pectins and the, um, the mucilage around the, the seeds. Right. right. A lot of these guys, like, yeah, I'm sorry, like, I'm saying, like, saying, obviously a lot of the guys won't have actually seen the, the fermentation and the smell yes. is phenomenal, isn't it, as well? It like, is, it is. It's pretty unique. But the beauty is with the greens, the greens are very unique smelling as well, aren't they? They do, they are, they yeah. are. You can actually smell the fruit in the greens. Yeah. You know, you smell the fruit it's coming through phenomenal. and it's really phenomenal, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the pulp natural and the washed, obviously we don't have the different ones of those. Which is the easiest to do with the Pacamaras, do you find? Uh, well, for us, because, you know, as a country, you know, I would say 99% of the country produces washed coffee. Yeah. It's always it's always easier to do a wash coffee because it's what everybody's used to. Right. You know? When you bring in a change <laughs> into into a culture, you know it's very hard for them to get a hold of it and actually start doing it. So. And you've brought in a lot of changes as well we, at the mill, at the farms. Yes. And, yeah. Yes. You know, it, it took us. We did go. We did ruin a lot of lots of coffee. Learning to do the the the, the pulp naturals and you know and the naturals. But now we're getting to the point where uh, my dad loves the naturals because we don't contaminate that much water, you know, at the farm level. Yes. You know, so le- there's less contamination. You know, it does take longer in the drying time. You know, so you have to be a lot more careful. You run a risk of, of ruining the coffee. You know, the I longer. think also your patio is like at the start of the season, at the end of the season, there's lots of space, but in the middle of the season, exactly. it gets pretty crowded there, yes. doesn't it? No, we decided that we're not going to do any naturals or pulp naturals in the, in the peak of the harvest okay because we don't have the space for it yeah you know we don't have the space for it you know but uh, uh although that might change because this year we did put in uh, a, a drying beds you know a three-tier drying bed okay. you know for 400 quintales which is about uh four thousand pounds wow you know at one time and uh we're going to try out try that out in forks then we can actually continue doing it in the peak of the season you know, without uh, actually slowing us down the other parts, you know, so 
big old fans to get airflow through there. So wow, uh, actually, I, they're doing something similar to that in Bolivia as well at the mill there, um, which I found really interesting. Just because drying space is just so tough to find, isn't it? And it is so yes. expensive as well. If you want to lay more, you've got to buy more land and exactly. get your flats. And, so with the Pacamaras, do you have a personal favourite? Do you have a, one that you enjoy cut profile more than the others? I, I love the naturals. Me too. The naturals I really, really enjoy. You know, it, uh, I wasn't a very big fan of naturals. You know, uh, I had a word at Cup of Excellence. Uh, well, Erwin was Cup of Excellence head judge for a number of years. And like naturals almost get... Like they, well, they don't they don't happen, do they? In Nobody no. enters a natural lot. No, no, they the don't. The Brazilians tied a couple of times and then realised it wasn't going to work. <laughs> um, yeah. So you become very accustomed to that clean, acidic, exactly. fruit bomby, and that's why I love the naturals. When you hit a good natural, it's like whoa. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Um, so tell me a little bit about yellow pacamara. This is the thing that's interesting to me because yellow pacamara is something I've never seen. Mm -hmm. I've never seen anywhere else, mm -hmm. and you gave me a sample two years ago on a cupping table that made me want to cry because you yes. wouldn't sell me any of it, um, and it was delicious. I mean, you were using you wouldn't sell it to me because you were using the seeds as plant stock. Exactly. This year has seen your first lot come from that. Right. So, uh, tell me how that happened. How that came about. Well, it's um, the yellow pacamara. I can't take credit for it. It's, it's a natural. It's a freak natural mutation as well. You yeah. know. Uh, we have a, a guard in the Limoncillo who became our farm manager, you know, but he was the security guard uh, back uh, in the 90s. And he was walking through the coffee field and he noticed his pacamara was producing yellow fruit, you know. So he came over and he told my dad, look, you know, doctor, we have, the, we have a yellow papuayi, you know, inside the, the, the pacamara field. You know, we want to take a look at it and see if we were to rip it out. But then we noticed it was still a big size bean and we didn't have any yellow catoyi. We don't have any yellow catoyi in the Museo. Nice. Period. And uh, so we said, this is impossible. You know, we said, wow, this is weird. It's a yellow pacamara. So that uh, must be a freak mutation. You know, next year we'll start producing red again. You know, uh, but we didn't cut it or anything. It was just one tree. You know, so then the next year came along, it was yellow again. And then the third year, it was yellow again. You know, so I told him, I said, I told the manager, I said, look, you know, take some seed out of the air, plant it, you know, and we'll try to see what happens, you know. Um, he didn't listen to me, you know, so I told the security guard, I said, look, you know, take some seed from there, you know, go plant it, and we'll see what happens, you know. He did it, you know, and then we had uh, like 50 trees out of that one, uh, out of the one tree, and then we started cupping it, and we saw how much different it was, you know. Uh, Actually, it, it looks like a pacamara, you know, uh, but it tastes so much tropical fruit in it. You know, when I tried it, you know, sorry, I know that red is your favorite color, <laughs> but as soon as I cup it, you know, yellow just comes to mind. Just like I am so with you on the we talk like I cup in colors a lot, and we were doing exactly the same cupping it the other day. And we were just like it's just yellow. Exactly. And he's like, yellow what? And he's like, no, it's just yellow. Exactly. And I so get that. that, that. I, I'm going to show this to Gary because Gary was like, yellow's not a cupping descript. I'm like, no, it is. <laughs> Erwin said so. <laughs> no, um, no, no. But it is, it's tropical fruit and it's just, it is that yellow, pineapple y, peach, apricot, that yes. whole thing going on. Like, so have you seen yellow pacamore anywhere else? You know, uh, I started asking around and I called up. Um, I called up the the, the Procafe in Salvador, which is the the, the big uh, uh, 
organization that has all the varietals around the world, supposedly, you know, and I asked them about it and they said no, they didn't exist. And yet, and now Salvador is where Pacamara exactly. thrives and he's, you know, well harvested and he's like 10, 20% of their crop, isn't it? So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So if they haven't got it. But uh, No, but the thing is that, you know, that year I had to go and pick the, the national jury for Cup of Excellence, you know, so I went there and uh, for the calibration of the, of the national jurors, I took, you know, uh, a natural Pacamara for them to try, which really blew their mind. You know? <laughs> They had never tried a, a, a natural pagamata, but I also took the yellow pagamata, you know, washed. And there were some guys from the Procafe uh, lab there, you know, and uh, they tried it and they said, look, where'd you get this from? I said, no, I mean, I'm planning, I got, you know, something five manzanas planted already, you know, and I, I called you guys and you said, you guys said that you didn't have it. It's like, well, you know, we do have it, but, you know, we're trying, we tell people we don't have is we want to get the seed out before they, everybody starts coming to us. Nice. You know? Okay. So they're they're isolating the seed, you know, and they're the process of isolating pretty much what we did, you know, about ten years ago, and um, so it, it does exist. You know, I know that the Ingerpo farm in, in uh, Guatemala. Guatemala also. I've seen some tweets, a little saying that they're planning. The, they got the little nursery going and everything. So. Uh, that's the thing. Once these things come out as well, I mean, uh, you you famously had an auction recently where you were selling uh, the naturally decaffed varietal, which is called uh, Laurina. Laurina, and um, I, I, yeah, that that may not have been naturally growing on your farm, might it? It was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, that was actually some uh, some seeds that we stole. <laughs> Borrowed. <laughs> Borrowed. Exactly. Yeah, we saw a tree. They didn't want to give us any seeds, so we just took some beans, put it in our mouth, you know, and. It's uh, fantastic. Copied luck. <laughs> <laughs> But no, you know, they, 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 this is what happens when these new mutations, and coffee's constantly mutating and changing and, and, exactly. and going into this different thing. Exactly. So um, just going back to the yellow Pacamara and the auction, mm -hmm. so you didn't have enough to sell. I was trying to buy it from you, you wouldn't sell it to me right. because right. you hadn't got enough, and I, I'm still yes. bitter about it, but I understand. So you had to find a way that you weren't going to upset Kentaro, who buys coffee from you, and yes. you know, other buyers who come and buy from you, me. and like. So you decided to have an auction. Right. What was the motivation for that one? Was it just to do the micro lots, or was it was it for that reason to say, okay, you want them, pay for them? Right. Well, no. I mean, uh, the best way to promote, you know, a coffee is to try to get the most amount of, of money that you can for for that one coffee. Agreed. You know, uh, even though I hate selling coffee that way because uh, you do tend to upset people who have. Uh, supported you in the past. Yeah, yeah you do. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know but uh, Nicaragua had just canceled their Cup of Excellence. They weren't going to hold it. You know, uh, it's a terrible shame. Um, we've we've spent a bit of time talking about this today, and I think I, I really hope Nicaragua gets back on the map because for me it's a very special competition. It's my first ever jury. Mm -hmm. uh, it's my first producing country I visited, um, and it's so sad to not see. A, com a country that's done such a good job with the Cup of Excellence competition yes. no longer do it. No, they're, uh, they're going to hold it once again. I mean, they're already planning it for next year. Excellent. You know, but, uh, and, uh, and have you plans to do the Maresh auction again well, next year? Uh, that's something we have to see. I mean, it, for us, it was a, it was a superb uh, result being able to sell you know, our top lots through there. Uh, but I mean, the time was right, and, and Ace, which is the owner of Excellence, wanted to start doing the state auctions, so that was a perfect time for them to try to do it. You know, uh, but I don't know if they're going to want to compete with Cup of Excellence. I don't. Well, I don't know if they consider it a competition for Cup of Excellence or not. You know, 
So I still have to talk with the with the ace people to see if they want to uh, still support me in doing it. Uh, I think it was an it was an excellent platform to do it on. I mean, other people have tried to do estate auctions in the past mm -hmm. through uh, like the Stoneworks platform, Stoneworks platform, and other ones, and they've perhaps not been as well supported as they right. might have been. Whereas I think Cup of Excellence has a uh, enough people have been on there before to have that resonance, and I think that was a lot of the reason for this, the success. Exactly. I think also the amazing lots that you managed to put together. Yes, um, those were. Yeah, the, 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 that I mean, I still. I still think we got the best lot, but that other Pacamara lot that went to Japan is, was equally as interesting, and um, yes. and it was great to see something like that happening. You know, that promotes a farm that we've already been buying from for a while, so right. it's, it's it's really good. Yes. So, um, Pacamaras, have you any other plans for them in the future? You kind of is that where you're at with them now? That you just kind of keep the yellows, grow that side of it, or you... okay. no? We are growing. Uh, we are growing the yellow. Yeah. Uh, more than we are the red right now. Okay. Uh, uh, just to see, we're in the experimentation stage with the yellow pagamadas. With the red, I think that at least on our land, we have seen where it is that we want to go. Yeah. In the. Is there any other farms apart from Limoncillo you planting planting the pacamara? No, you've got some, if you've got some on San Jose as well. We, we have some yellow pacamadas in San yes, Jose. I don't right. know because of the altitude is not behaving quite as good as it is in Limoncillo. That's because Limoncillo is better. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> you know, but uh, cup quality is there, but you know, uh, uh, disease resistancy is not, oh, okay. and uh, yield is not either. You know, so Which make it more uh, expensive, I guess. Too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, so we have to see how how it behaves there. Uh, like I said, I mean, my dad doesn't do any experimentation small, so he didn't do just one acre. You know, he, he did twenty. <laughs> Uh, so it'll be, it'll be kind of sad I had to tear it out. <laughs> so, um, obviously you're saying you know, your dad loves these experiments. I'm always intrigued that you didn't really go down the geisha route, did you? We tried geisha, you know, and uh, basically where we have planted it, the wind really, really beat it up, you yeah. know. Uh, I don't know why in Nicaragua, above 1200 meters is really difficult to plant coffee. Okay. You know, I don't know because it gets too cold. For us <laughs> but anyway but uh it, it burns the new growth on the coffee tree okay. you know so it kind of burns it you know and then it gets a bacteria that kind of dry, uh, dries out the coffee tree right you know so for us it's really really difficult as opposed to honduras in honduras you know the new farm that we have we have 1900 meters and we don't have that problem whatsoever you know and there we have more water you know uh more humidity you know and uh the coffee grows <laughs> <laughs> you know, have so you any plans to do any pacamaras on uh, in Honduras? We planned it already. Okay. You know, five Montanas of the yellow pacamara. Wow. Okay. You know, and uh, we're doing experiment lots. You know, we we have planned. Uh, no, next year we have the, the nursery already. Next year we have orange bourbon. Okay. That we're planting. Uh, the yellow pacamara. We're planting geisha there. Okay. From, from uh, Don Pache from Panama. We bought the seed. Oh wow. You know, and we're planting uh, laurina as well. You know, so we're gonna have all these at eighteen hundred meters. You know, so hopefully, you know, that'll work. And... That sounds super interesting. Listen, this is a long video, and I'm probably gonna put it out as a separate one on its own because I think it's 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 been really important. But thank you ever so much for just that little bit of an insight into Pacamara. Um, I feel like I've been schooled. So uh, no, that was awesome. Thank you. No, no problem. My pleasure. Cool.
So a long focus on video, uh, but I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed having the conversation with Erwin. He is such an interesting guy. Uh, I wish we could have recorded all of our conversations because they were super interesting. Um, the podcast varietal that we both talk about, just to clear up, does come from the Bourbon um, and used to be called uh, San Ramon Bourbon. Uh, mutation, San Ramon Bobon mutation, uh, before its classification as Pacas. Um, this led to a school of thought that it might be a cross between Tipica and San Ramon. Um, and I found quite a bit of evidence on this one, hence Erwin uh, thinking that it came from Tipica. But it's been later confirmed due to genealogy tests that it is actually a natural mutation of Bobon and has no relation to Tipica or San Ramon. So uh, it clears that one up. Let me just disengage smug mode because I got it right. Um, <laughs> I do love the part where Erwin talks about the security guard finding the yellow tree um, and ultimately that guy working up to farm manager and then ultimately this selling for such a ridiculously high price. Um, I think it is very, very cool. And uh, yeah. But enough Pacamari, it's time to look at the farm. Do you know what? You know about the farm. Uh, and if you don't know about the farm, you should really go back and spend some time with episode 253 as he does far more justice kind of talking about the history of the farm, the varietals and all the things on there than I could possibly do here. Um, the only thing I will add to that is that Pacamar is a fairly new thing for us from Limoncillo. Uh, this is only the third year of taking it uh, and we've really been developing how we process it with in partnership with Erwin, not telling him what to do, asking him what he can do um, and he's really been showing us some interesting stuff. Um, and the reason we didn't have the Pacamara in the olden days is we used to buy it through an importer. And the importer wasn't so keen on the Pacamaras from there. And because it was not my container, I couldn't exist. Now, lots of people look at the benefits of buying directly, uh, uh, you know, being able to set the price, being able to have a link to the farmer. But these are things we've always done with our importers anyway. So it didn't really bring up along those benefits because they were already there. But what it does do is we can dictate what coffees we want to bring in our container and the different coffees that the farm produce. For instance, the uh, phenolic I was talking about in the news, uh, no importer would bring that coffee in. But we can talk to the producer and say, this would be interesting for our customers. What can you do for us? Can we buy some of this just to show people? Um, and you know, then we've suddenly added you know, five Pacamaras that we didn't buy before. And that for me is the real benefit of buying directly. Um, so that's all I'm gonna say about the farm. But now it's time to go and do the map bit. And I'm really hoping that I have my computer back for this one. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry for the past few that have been recycled. It's the map bit, no expense spent. It's the map bit. So the computer is back and we go through the routine of going down, going up and going to Central America, which is where we're looking today. And um, Central America is somewhere we've spent a lot of time recently, I know, but the number of coffin grown countries, we have seven. Population of just short of 42 million. Surface area of 523,000 square kilometers. Compare that to the UK, twice the size. But we're going to look at Nicaragua, so let's get into the details of Nicaragua. The name is very obvious. The population is 5.992 million, I think that was in 2009. Around about half the size of the UK, with the capital being Managua. So, um, yeah, it's a, <coughs> a country that is very poor. Um, there we can see the farm. If you look around, all those little gaps are bits where the farmers live, where the workers live. Um, there's lots of accommodation on this farm. 
Um, Dale the cow is going to tell us that the farm is called Limoncillo. It has an altitude of 1,200 metres above sea level. It is a Pacamara varietal and the nearest town is Matagalpa. So now we're going to make the maps do something clever and whizzy and uh, a little bit more detail. So um, yeah, let's try and get a better view where you can kind of whiz round. We're going to show you that this is really in a valley. So you can see this is the very, very top. And then this is down into the valley where the very bottom part of the farm is. Um, very, very beautiful farm as well. So that was the map bit. So now it's time for Roland's Daft Fact of the Week. The breeding of this wonderful hybrid was from the genetic department of the Saldorian Institute for Coffee Research, which was done back in 1958. Hope you found that interesting. Roland's Daft Fact of the Week. Roland, we always find you interesting. In fact, Roland is one of the most interesting people uh, I, I, I get to talk to. He's a very, very clever man. Um, so, uh, the wheel of death is dead. Long live the wheel of discovery. So the Wheel of Discovery last time took us to the toilets. I still apologise about the toilets. That was never my plan to take you to go and see toilets uh, with the Wheel of Discovery. Um, but I hope you enjoyed it. So let's go. Oh, where it goes, nobody knows. And everybody cares because it's Discovery. And we're going to my office. Okay, so it's time for us to discover. So um, if I show you the wheel, it says to Steve's office. So off we go. And uh, yeah, it's um, we're going through the doors here. We're going to go through this door here. Say hello, Chris. Hello, Chris. See, Chris always gets a guest appearance on the Wheel of Discovery. So this is my office where we have a big giant beanbag. If you see that, and we have a fuzzball table under my big map there, and um, we can look down at the roastery from here, so I can kind of see everything that's going on, and. Uh, it doesn't seem oh there he is look there's there's mr glue and uh yeah that was the wheel of discovery and we are back uh i'm going to start by removing this out because it's been brewing for around about four minutes it's a new brewer that we've got from i think it's from japan um, it looks like a teapot, but it isn't. It's actually meant to be a coffee brewer. So, um, it's kind of immersion brew. Ooh, it doesn't pour so good. Um, it's an immersion brewer, but um, you can remove it, which is obviously good to stop it attracting. So, I'm just going to pour that, and we will dive into our espresso, give it a quick stir. Ooh. So... What I remember of this, this coffee when I cooked it the first time was Strawberry Angel Delight. And it is there. It is there in big, big mm, hitter flavour. It is delicious. So you get this really big... Oh, I finished that. It's that good. Um, 
Strawberry Angel Delight, very creamy, big mouthfeel, very, very silky, super clean and elegant. And there's that elegance there when it finishes off. Let's go in the milk. This is going to be a good one for milk. So that strawberry gets more creamy. It gets more sweeter. Um, this is where you get the bubble gum. So there's this little bit of like a, a blue bubble gum flavour going on in there. And it's just super, super clean. Even for somebody that's not a fan of milk, that is really delicious. Um, we should do snozzer in the bowl. So let's get the snozzer in. And what I've just tasted in there, in that strawberry, you can kind of smell on here, but it's not like your normal strawberry. It's like a strawberry that's been kind of bruised a little bit, it's going a little bit soft. It's kind of that, you know, where it gets more sweeter, but also a bit more gooey. Um, and you can smell that on the grinds. It's a great coffee to smell again, so you really should get your snozzer in the bowl. Um, and that's what this is, by the way, is snozzer in the bowl. It's not a, a phallic symbol, as people keep saying to me on email. Um, it is definitely a nose, you rude people. Um, and that is where I get most excited. Because that reminds me of the cupping table. And this is where the elegance of this cup really comes out. It is super sweet strawberry with cream. If you've had Angel Delight, it is that Angel Delight deliciousness that is going on in there. There's a little bit of bubblegum, but it's clean and smooth and balanced and sweet and delicious and fruity. Um, this is Irwin's favourite of the uh, of all of the naturals that we do. Um, I, I'm not sure whether it is my favourite, but it's, it's one of my favourite all-time coffees. So that shows you how good the naturals are. I sometimes kind of fall towards funky because funky gets me very excited. It's a, it's a great, but this one is very good. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm talking rubbish because I don't know which one I think is the better one. Um, but this one is a very, very good example. I know some of you won't like this. And don't worry, I'm not going to hit you with lots of naturals. Um, as I said in the, in the news, I won't be bringing in the funky or funkier to you because um, I don't want to scare anybody. And we haven't done a natural for a while, so I thought it was a good time to bring it in. Um, but it's a very good example of how clean naturals can be. So we should do um, time for the screen grab of the week. And this week's comes from Nigel H. Um, and Nigel has been very clever as he's delved into the archives. Um, somewhere I think could be a rich vein for screen grabs. So screen grab of the week, here we go. Yeah, Hayley's looking at me very strange on that one. I think she, Hayley's from The Window, which is in Norwich, a coffee shop you must visit if you're in Norwich. Uh, but Hayley's definitely looking at me as if I've landed from another planet. Um, so 
emailing Nigel to claim your t-shirt. Remember, you have just one week while the In My Mug is active to email in and to get your t-shirt. So it encourages you to watch every week. Um, it is the t-shirt that money cannot buy and you can only win with screen grabs or questions for Dale. I can very much do with some questions for Dale for next week, please. So please do send in your questions. Um, but yes, uh, oh, and when you email in, Nigel, please do tell us your, your t-shirt size and of course your address. Right, time to wrap up. Thank you very much for joining me as always. I hope you're finding this interesting. I hope that you're finding the focus on interesting. I know I'm enjoying it and it's taxing me a little bit. Um, I've got a few blog posts to put up over the next couple of weeks too, so I'll tell you about those as they happen. Um, but do remember, life is too short for bad comedy.